Jewel Radio presents What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Women positive news you can use. Hello, I'm Kate Wheeler, and you are listening to What She Said, brought to you tonight by Roar Publishing, from concept to content. While I'm hosting solo this weekend, Christine is busy lending a hand to the Invictus Games, but you will hear her in our studio session segment. That is towards the end of the show, and she will be back next weekend to tell us all about it. Now, I'm not actually in studio because everyone is on a mic for the first time ever. (laughs) Say hi, Brittany. Hello. And Angelo, you've heard from before, and Alex. Hello. Um, they join me now. The Ontario government has announced a framework to manage the sale and use of recreational marijuana starting July 1st of next year. The only place you'll be legally allowed to buy it is at a standalone LCBO-run store. We'll be joined by Greg Engel, the CEO of Organigram. It's a publicly traded licensed producer of medical marijuana. We're going to talk about the key components of the plan, what it means for the cannabis industry as a whole. Brittany, do you think it's going to work? I think it's going to work, but what are they going to call it? MCBO? MCBO? <laughs> the PCBO? The pot CBO? I don't know. Alex, what do you think? Do you think it'll work? Or do you think it's, I, um, I'm worried about supply and demand. I don't know if well, there's yeah, going to be enough stores. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, because they're saying 40 stores is, are rolling out first. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, supply and demand might be an issue because I feel like there's a lot of people that... <laughs> well, apparently you can get it online. Angela, yeah. how, how would you feel about Canada Post delivering, you know, weed right across the country? Because that's what's gonna, that's what's going to happen. It'd be. I think it'd be better than... You know, maybe going to the LCBO personally, but or whatever they're going to. It would be more private because I think I think a lot of people will still be, even though it's legal. I think they will still be afraid of you know running into the neighbors. Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah. But then if they're there, you're there. Then maybe it's the start of a whole new beautiful (laughs) relationship. No, I'm like I feel like you could run into probably a lot of people that you didn't realize. Yeah, you wouldn't want to run into your boss, though, would you? But then again, he's there, (laughs) you're there. Could be the start of a whole new beautiful relationship. All right. So what is authenticity? That's a question that, um, you know, we are asking ourselves. Um, and author Ritu Basin found herself asking that same question. In her new book, The Authenticity Principle, she says being authentic is not a permanent or consistent state. It's more about choosing how and when to be your authentic self. She's going to uh, tell us about the inspiration behind the book and explain exactly what authenticity means a little later. We're also going to be joined by Canadian jazz vocalist Eileen Joyce. She's the founder of the Pulmonary Fibro Freedom Society. She was diagnosed with IPF in 2008, told she just had three to five years to live. She is alive and well here tonight to tell us her story and about the inaugural Freedom Gala, which will benefit the uh, Pulmonary Fibrosis Freedom Society. That's on October 20th. Uh, Anne Brody will be in with movie and TV reviews. We have a chat about Aveeno skincare with lifestyle expert Lena Almeida and performance. Performing in our live studio sessions this evening, we have Afros, also known as Johanna Muhammad. She's an indie soul artist from Toronto with a great big heart and an even bigger voice. So stay tuned. Hey, kids, we're talking weed on What She Said with (laughs) Organigram CEO Greg Engel right after the break. 
Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com slash TC or call 416-340-7270. Well, the Ontario government uh, got its act together and came out with the plan to manage the sale and use of recreational marijuana, which includes an online ordering service and eventually 150 standalone stores. Joining us tonight on What She Said to discuss this is Greg Engel, the CEO of Organigram, a publicly traded licensed producer of medical marijuana in Canada. So welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again. Now, I stressed that you are a publicly traded licensed producer of medical marijuana um, in Canada, across Canada. What's happened to all those stores that now I noticed one in my area, Eden, on Bayview was now shuttered, saying with the changes, there's really no point in us being in business. Well, I think as we see, you know, the federal legislation is still going through. Bill C-45 is mm-hmm. still going for, through review um, at the federal level. But we now see Ontario and New Brunswick have come forward, at least announcing what their plans are going to be for distribution within those two provinces. And we expect to see other provinces moving forward. So um, those plans do not include those kind of existing black market dispensaries that have been operating kind of either under the radar or, mm-hmm. um, or waiting, or, or for, waiting what they for what they thought was going to be a legal market. Were you them. surprised when... Uh the legislation came out as it was? Uh, I wasn't surprised. I think certainly, you know, what we've heard from the federal government, we've heard from many of the provinces is a couple key things. One is that safety and security are paramount, right, in Mm -hmm. terms of making sure that um, people in the adult recreational space are accessing kind of a tested product that undergoes rigorous testing as we do at Organogram. But second to that, there's a big education component and making sure that there's no access to youth. And so at a provincial level, provinces like Ontario feel that what they're proposing will give them more ability, you know, greater ability to make sure that um, there is not product being sold to youth and that they have more control over the distribution. And with that, in other provinces like New Brunswick, there's actually a public education initiative as part of what they've announced. Okay, so they've said there will be 40 standalone stores to start off with, 80 open by July 1st, 2019. And eventually 150 open by 2020. Let's talk supply and demand. (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) Because I don't think that's enough stores to keep up with the demand. Well, and I think one of the challenges is that in the first couple of years of the program, the licensed producers like ourselves and other companies are not going to be able to meet demand. So I think the province is looking at, they want to start with a kind of stage program. They'll put in some initial locations and um, also have a mail order uh, infrastructure. And, and we expect mail order to be the only source in some provinces initially because mm-hmm. we'll have a federal mail order program. And it's going so to Canada take, Post will be happy. Canada Post will be very happy. And I think it's a great business for them to look at. And, and that is how we provide our medical patients today. Mm-hmm. It is all through 100% through mail order. So we have an existing system. But I think second to that is that, you know, if we look at a state like Colorado, it took them three and a half years from the launch of the program to start to meet demand. So there was, you know, there was not enough supply for the first three and a half okay, years. Okay. Okay. So if 
if the plan, as you, a licensed producer, says you're not going to be able to meet demand, you don't think that the demand is going to be met, then um, aren't, isn't the government then in turn kind of, sort of, forcing people back to buying from regular pot dealers? Well, and it, it, you know, again, the goal was not to eliminate the black market overnight. And okay. so, um, and that's very challenging to do. And I think so what we've seen both at a federal level and at a provincial level is that the goal is over time to eliminate kind of black market and, and shift to a regulating controlled supplies like licensed producers like Organogram. Um, but at the same time, you can't eliminate an existing marketplace that's been operating for decades um, overnight. And, and so it will take years, literally, to, to eliminate that. Now, and how do they, I mean, I, so you'd have to sign up, you'd have to have the doctor's um, notice. I mean, do people sign up directly with you if they have, but this is recreational marijuana, so I don't need a doctor's yeah, notice. Yeah, so do there's I? two very differences. So today okay. in the medical program, we get a medical document, which is basically a prescription. So right. that is sent to the company and mm-hmm. then uh, the patient, either the doctor's office with the patient's consent or the patient will send it directly. And then the patient can buy from our online store, either online or through our client services team. When we move to adult recreational, two key things. One will be there'll be an age verification process. So making sure that Canada Post or Perlator or whoever the shipper is um, does an ID check. So we have, for example, today in Canada, um, wineries will ship, um, you know, direct mail. So if it's either delivered at home or picked up at a Canada Post office, you'll have to show proof of ID and age verification at that time. And that's part of the process. So um, that's going to be critical for adult recreational distribution to make sure that, you know, we're not shipping product to youth and it's been proven to work as i said in the in the alcohol distribution side okay so um let's talk a little bit more about public safety um everyone's comparing it because it's being run through the lcbo um to alcohol so let's talk about driving because uh, what happens is there a the equivalent of a breathalyzer test that can be done it's a great question. So one of the things we have to keep in mind today is that it's not like uh, when this adult recreational program launches, it's not like all of a sudden, um, you know, it's not like marijuana or cannabis is not being used today. It's, you know, we have one of the highest use rates in, in the world. So, yeah. um, and, and also I came from the pharmaceutical and biotech industry and we have people that are using prescription opioids that are also impaired. Mm-hmm. So I think on one hand, one of the keys from assessing drug impaired driving is what is that roadside test? So there is a test that's not, you know, we're used to relying and we do rely on for alcohol because there's been an, mm-hmm. a, a level shown um, at 0.05 or 0.08, the level of impairment, what that is. For cannabis, it hasn't been definitively defined what the THC level is. So I think there is a move towards doing some of the work there and there are tests available, but the linkage to what that level of impairment has not been studied to the same level that we know with alcohol. So there's still work to be done there, but at the same, as I said, on the flip side of that, um, you know, we're naive to think that, you know, there are not hundreds of thousands of potential Canadians that are actually driving through, you know, with prescription medication today or, or using cannabis. So what do you think the, the biggest plus is about this legislation? And, and you know, I'm going to ask sure. you afterwards what the biggest negative is. Yeah, I think the biggest plus is is twofold. One is that um, we're going to have a stricter control on the distribution side. So we're going to make sure that all the product that is sold and distributed undergoes rigorous testing and people see definitively what they get on the label and what they expect to see is what they get, right? So now that there's kind of oversight of that. So that's that's one plus. And there's not that rigor today in the black market that that's occurring. People are sold something and they don't know definitively mm-hmm. if that's what it is. 
Secondly, I think the other is, again, as I said, the whole public safety side. So along with this program, both the federal government and the provinces have announced that there's going to be an education program, right? Talking about drug, you know, responsible consumption, drug impaired driving, um, the risks associated with consumption by, you know, adolescents. So we'll see an elevation in that education. And we know that education works if it's done in the proper way. And that'll be important kind of as we go forward, because, you know, the stigma in the past has always been, you know, say no to drugs sort of stigma. And this is responsible consumption is critical. Okay. And the biggest negative? Well, I think I think one of the challenges will be that um, there's going to be a delay in the edible forms for the marketplace. There's a lot of people that don't want to look to, you know, a smoked or vaporizable form, um, mm-hmm. that edibles would be a consumption product that uh, they're looking for. And the federal government has said that that'll be delayed, you know, anywhere from 12 to 18 months for implementation. So I, I think that's at this point is a bit of a downside because there is in the black market a lot of edible products and a very variable range of products available. So, so Ontario has said that, the, that it's going to consult closely with municipalities, indigenous communities, stakeholders of all, sure. all sites to determine additional details about the retail and distribution system. Is there anything else or anything you think they're missing that would help ensure a safe, sensible approach to this new world? Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the big, so we've got an initiative with 16 other licensed producers working with Ad Standards Canada, and that is the group that does self-regulatory oversight of alcohol advertising in Canada, as well as many mm-hmm. other areas. Um, we're working on a framework of what responsible packaging and advertising would look like. We're not proposing things like television ads or anything like that. But, you know, once you're in a retail environment, I think it is meaningful and useful for people to see branded product, which gives them identity and, uh, you know, clearly shows what's in the package and what but they're seeing. But then you're going to run up against the cigarette laws, which we're seeing no package, like no brand. Sure. And so, and I think there's, there's an easy way to get around that. The easiest way to get around that is to make sure that you do an age-gated entry. So okay. you prevent adolescents and youth from entering a location that is selling and distributing. And that that ensures that anyone that is in the location, because part of the mandate of the tobacco legislation today um, is not exposing youth, right? Right. Absolutely. So Greg Engel, CEO of Organogram, thank you for joining us. Tell people where they can uh, reach you to learn more. Sure. Uh, organogram.ca is our website. And uh, feel free to look us up on the web. Thanks again. This is What She Said. We'll be right back. Join us October 22nd at Bellevue Manor in Vaughan for a morning of fun, learning, and great camaraderie. Learn how to stay sharp as you age with guest speakers Dr. Vivian Brown, Dr. Nazarene Katri, and MC Camilla Scott. A wonderful morning of breakfast, entertainment, special treats, and all proceeds go to Mackenzie Health Foundation to support the Domestic Assault and Sexual Abuse Center. Go to thejoyofaging.ca for more info and see you on October 22nd. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. <laughs> 
Want to know more about the music and the musicians you love? Today we're talking about five bands that have been at it for a very long time. The entire album was recorded over three weekend sessions for a cost of $6,000. Whenever I do an impression of Bob Dylan, that's the only line that I do. Tangle up in blue. That's, that's it. And you that's, do it. That's very all I do. Well. I can't do it again. Do it again. Tangle up in blue. <laughs> <laughs> what that Eric Alper knows will spin your head Sundays on What She Said Talk. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. My life has been a poor attempt to imitate the man. I'm just a living legacy to the leader of the band. Welcome back to What She Said. Despite the pressures today to conform, can you be your authentic self in the workplace and in life and still succeed? What would you choose to be your authentic self if there were no negative consequences? Our guest this evening is Ritu Basin, an internationally recognized leadership and diversity expert and speaker who helps organizations and individuals around the world become more diverse and inclusive of differences. Thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. Now, in your book, The Authenticity Principle, you offer a new approach to authenticity. First off... Define authenticity. What exactly is it? So many people have have what I would call fatigue in this area because so many different disciplines have been talking about this concept of authenticity. Everything from leadership to well-being to mindfulness to parenting. But what I have found in doing my research in this space is that there hasn't really been a clear, concise definition of the concept. And what I have done in my book and through the work that I'm doing in this space is put my arms around it and provide a practical understanding. So for me, authenticity is the journey, the practice of consistently choosing to know who we are, to embrace who we are, and be who we are in as much as we do as possible. So it's a practice. It's a journey. It's not a static moment. It's a process of understanding who we are at our core, accepting, embracing that, and then showing up as that. So actually choosing to reveal to ourselves and others who we are at the center of our hearts. So... Would you say it's uh, similar to the example of people say you can choose to be happy? Yes, absolutely. Happiness isn't a, a constant state. Happiness, joy, it's also a journey. It's, it's a practice. We work towards it. We make decisions that push us closer to being joyful. Uh, we have moments where happiness um, is less accessible. And when, we, when we're not accessing happiness, we don't feel as connected. Authenticity is the same way. It's in moments where we are choosing, we feel safe, we feel empowered to reveal vulnerably, vulnerably uh, what our desires are, what our needs are, what our wants are, that we feel the best. But there are also other moments where we struggle to do that. And when we are unable to do that, it feels difficult for us. What about if that inner feeling isn't very nice? I mean, should we still be embracing something? I mean, some may say, you know, your inner bitch. I mean, if you're standing up for yourself, I mean, how do you how do you define? Because I, I know we're trying to aim towards something good and nice as an authentic. But but what if we're in a bad mood? I mean, we can authentically be in a bad mood. 
yeah. one day. So how do we deal with that? Well, this is the thing. Um, who we are, all of us, is made up the made up of the good, bad, and ugly. Right. Uh, all of us have aspects of ourselves that are great. Some of us have a less of that than others. Um, <laughs> there are parts of ourselves that are, are less um, sparkly, that are negative. So for example, um, some of us can be mean at times. Right. Some of us uh, are homophobic or racist. Others are uh, negative, cynical. These two are parts of who we are. And I think part of the challenge that we have in society today is that uh, many of us have internalized this message that we, we, first of all, that we shouldn't engage in self-reflection and and we don't know how to mm-hmm. uh, to better understand at the depth the whole package of our being. So if, when I ask people uh, in the leadership work that I do, who are you? Like, what are you about? What are your core values? Tell me about what makes your heart sing. A lot of people struggle to even, ha- even have an understanding of that. And, and a lot of that is because we don't pause to do the self-reflection. Mm-hmm. In addition, um, we're afraid of our demons. And those demons are part of who we are. So, so our authentic selves do incorporate aspects that are positive and negative. But the real beauty of embracing who we are is understanding that even those attributes that we deem as quote unquote negative are still part of us. And, and, and really, the best life is being able to manage around all of that. So you've developed a framework that teaches um, individuals to strategically choose how and when yes. to be their authentic selves. Yes. And that's uh, called the three selves. So how, explain it. The yes, three, the, the three, three selves, selves framework. Yes. So we live in a world where there's a really complicated message out there. We're in a day and time when we're getting a mess, the constant message of be yourself, be yourself. Mm-hmm. And at the same time in society, we are getting a conflictive, conflicting message of conform. So you can be yourself as long as, as it conforms with the dominant cultural normative in society. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really complicated, confusing place to be because if we're being told to be yourself in one breath, but then to- being told to conform in the other, who are you supposed to be? And what it leads us to do is to feel confused, to feel torn, um, to feel, uh, to, to be struggling. Uh, So what I have done is I've introduced a model called the Three Selves Framework, Mm -hmm. which helps us to better deconstruct how we want to behave and choose how we want to behave in this world that is both telling us to be ourselves and pushing conformity at the same time. So um, in the model, there are three selves. All of us have each of the selves. First of all, there is the authentic self. The authentic self is, if there were no consequences for your actions, how would you show up as? Like, who would you be? Uh, Some of us spend some time as the authentic self. The other self that uh, will be familiar to a lot of us is the performing self. And it's on the other side of the the spectrum, on the other side of the continuum. The performing self is the self that feels like it lacks choice. We don't have uh, an ability or choice but to alter who we are, to change our uh, behaviors to in order to fit in. Uh, we feel like we have to mass aspect of our identity. We have to change um, our behavior in order to integrate. And a lot of us spend a lot of time performing. The new self that I introduced that I think has been less understood or less explored is what I call the adapted self. The adapted self is a self that says, I know who my authentic self is uh, and it feels great. I also know who my performing self is. It feels awful. Uh, but in this moment, 
I don't want to perform, but it's hard for me to be truly authentic. So I'm going to adapt. I'm going to exercise my choice to alter uh, my behavior to meet my needs and the needs of others. So this is the self, for example, on this interview right now with you. My preferred way of speaking is to be uh, well, I I uh, cuss like a pirate, and I am welcome to what she said. Uh, well, amazing <laughs> because if if I have if you signal to me, I have permission to do so any no. minute now. I'm going to drop some f bombs. Oh, no. um, I, I am I'm adapting. I, do I uh, my strong pr- preference would be to drop some f bombs and be r- more relaxed in how I speak. And uh, but I'm altering because I know that for some of your listeners, your listenership, this might be more accessible or feel more comfortable than me littering every other word mm-hmm. with um, uh, a swear word. So so all of us are altering or, or I have, I'm speaking right after uh, this, uh, this talk, uh, I'm doing a pu- public speaking engagement. So as you'll see, I'm dressed up nicely. Um, really, when I got up this morning, I wanted to, wanted to roll out of bed and roll in here and then to my talk in um, my pajamas, it would have been great, but I, I'm not, I'm adapting. Right. Okay. So you had to conform. You grew up in a predominantly white suburb of, of Toronto. You're Punjabi. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine that was easy at some stages of your life. Yes. Uh, well, we live in a society where dominant cultural normative and values are pushed, which makes sense because the majority gets to decide how everyone gets to behave. And as a woman, as a person of color from a religious minority group at a young age, I internalized messages that being different was wrong and bad, which is essentially what happens for most people of color and uh, people from the LGBT communities, people from across religious minority groups Mm -hmm. and other areas of difference. And this is actually what inspired me to write this book. It's what inspired me to do this work so that I help to create a society where more of us can choose to be who we are, for more of us uh, feel comfortable embracing our differences and um, sharing our differences with the world rather than vilifying differences and creating a world where we feel like we have to be someone we're not. Now, in, in the book, you share your own experiences that you just mentioned, plus you interview dozens of successful business leaders who have all overcome barriers to authenticity. Do they have one insight in common? That it is uh, difficult to do, to consistently choose to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's challenging, but it's worth it. Those of us who have discovered and understand that authenticity feels empowering and feels like flying, we we it's like you have the key, the key to happiness, the key to joy, and not just personal joy, relational joy, it gives you professional joy as well. So where can people get hold of a copy of The Authenticity Principle? It's available online now on Amazon. Uh, and I encourage uh, people to pick it up, read it, send me your feedback, tweet about it, uh, post about it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Do you have a website they can connect with you at? Yes, uh, it's rithubasin.com. Uh, and you can visit me on The Authenticity Principle on Facebook and Rithu underscore Basin on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Thank you very much for coming in and talking to us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for letting us stay on the airwaves by not swearing. (laughs) (laughs) Bless. This is what she said. We'll be right back. Do you remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it? a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. 
Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy to use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30 day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. What She Said is more than women-positive news. First, it's a radio show on the Jewel Network with a dedicated and growing audience of affluent men and women aged 35+. But What She Said is also a digital platform with thousands of followers, the ideal target market for your brand. What She Said features companies and trendsetters, those on the leading edge of fashion, business, lifestyle, entertainment, travel, technology, and finance. Get your brand on What She Said and get results. Go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com slash TC or call 416-340-7270. When Candace Derricks tells people where to go, they listen. Hmm, an all-inclusive is sounding pretty nice right now. Ooh! <laughs> Let me see food and travel and exactly, what else? right? There's nothing else in life is food and no. travel as far as I'm concerned. So you want to do all your investigation up front. These are really, really, really good tips. Pleasantville is on our bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> We've got expert travel tips and tricks from Candace at lifeinpleasantville.com. Weekends on What She Said Talk. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. Well, joining us now for Saturday Night at the Movies is our very own film critic, Anne Brody. <laughs> and tonight we are talking historical exoticism. Yes. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. You said it too slowly, but you said it uh, right. Well, that's because I was trying to get the <laughs> get the pronunciation right. And we've got um, donkeys, fall premieres oh to God, die for. So uh, but let's start off with Victoria and Abdul. Yes, the exoticism. I, a couple of my Asian friends find it offensive, the way they treated this Indian uh, commoner who came to Buckingham Palace to present Queen Victoria with a coin, some sort of memento. And uh, he was told not to look at her. He looked at her, and they smiled at each other, and thus began a lifelong friendship. This was after both of her husbands had died, or at least mm -hmm. her husband and her lover. Mm -hmm. And so she was, he was her devoted fan, not and sexual. And there was a huge age because she was in her, what, early 80s, was, and he was yeah. in his 20s? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think what people don't like about it is that it sort of mocks, it mocks both cultures, so it, it's a true story. In fact, do you remember a couple months ago, we ran a uh, film called The Black Prince? Yep. Same exact story. So ah, just uh, okay. sort of candy-coated, yet it has this offensive angle to it. So, so I mean, the exoticism is uh, when some people refer to, like they, they're questioning someone's background and they say, oh, you have such an exotic look. You've got it. Okay, I get You've it. You've got it. Okay. Yep. That's yep. politically incorrect these days, it by is. the way, folks. Oh, I mean, I... I I would be flattered if somebody called me exotic, but I guess that's not going to happen anytime soon. So let's go on to um, a <laughs> movie. Exotic. I saw in, you in a blonde 
sky-high hairdo the other day. That was exotic. That was my Annie Lennox period. Um, <laughs> Don't Talk to Irene from Pat Mills. That was oh. filmed in The Hammer, Hamilton. Yeah. It says The Hammer on the, on the credits. Really? Yeah, <laughs> it does. The sense of humor on this guy is just stunning. Pat Mills, he's a writer-director, and he's always had a problem with uh, bullying because his name was Pat. He had long blonde hair in high school. So this is his second film set in the world of high school. So a, an overweight girl is uh, sort of branded a loser by everyone in the school. She does something wrong and is sentenced, basically, to go and entertain the folks in the old home, old folks' home. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So she and her other loser friends, who are also thus sentenced, put on a show. And I've got to tell you, it is so witty, so funny, so rambunctious. And you love all these people. She gets these... Elderly residents out of their seats and dancing and feeling the spark of life all over again. And yet it's nothing like saccharin. It's really lovely. Okay. And we have an interview with Pat oh, okay, and great. Michelle, the young co-star on, uh, on YouTube. Excellent. Now, you have a donkey-mentary to tell us about. I can't believe you made me say that. Well, you a did that very well. donkey Donkey-mentary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's called Do Donkeys Act. And a fellow followed some donkey sanctuaries around the world, including one down in Puss Lynch, Ontario, just outside okay. of Guelph. So uh, abused uh, donkeys generally Aww. are sent to these homes, and they're rehabilitated. They're loved. They're touched. They're fed. They're, you know, they live in wide open spaces, and th they just seem to be happy. But what makes them so unique and I think intelligent is that they have a very complex language. It's not just hee-haw, hee-haw. It's all kinds of sounds that they make, maybe to humans, but mostly to one another. It's the most stunning thing. And the weird thing about this film is Willem Dafoe narrates, and it's all this high-flying philosophy and poetry while these donkeys wander about in the farmyard. <laughs> It's so worth seeing. It's worth seeing. Okay, now what should we be seeing on TV? Oh, wow. The Menendez Brothers, ah, Law and Order. The Menendez Murders, from, right? Yes, okay. indeed. 1989, we remember it well. We do. And all kinds of new information is coming out about this. Really? Yeah. Uh, these two young brothers denied it, but they did indeed um, murder their parents. Mm. And the reason is why. Were they abused? Did they just want the fortune? So we're about to find out. I haven't seen any more episodes, but there was quite a deal, of, quite a, a lot of hatred between... Uh, the parents and the children, and the parents were taping the children's phone conversations. And, you know, so it's just fascinating. Dick Wolf, Law & Order series, you can't miss. Will & Grace is back. Yeah, how do you feel about that? I never watched it in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was great the first few seasons, and then it went on for another I love bunch. Megan Mullally. That's where I found her, but I didn't watch it that much. Yeah. Um, so I... I What's to say? Curb Your Enthusiasm, season nine. Again, something I watched for the first couple of seasons and then it dropped off. I know. Isn't that funny? But still, people are really excited about it. He has a tremendous um, regular cast, plus the guest stars that he's having this year. Mm -hmm. And he, it's so squirmy, his comedy. Just He's the bad neighbor, the bad friend, the bad husband. Mm -hmm. And he says and does things that are outrageous, but people just let it go because he's funny. Mm -hmm. And think about the people who do that. Okay, and Margaret Atwood, Sarah, Sarah Polly's alias Grace has landed. Magnificent. Really it's good? been uh, 30 years in the making. Sarah mm -hmm. Polly grabbed the rights to it when she was 17. Finally, it's out with Sarah Gadon. It's utterly magnificent. 
Uh, CBC's Murdoch Mysteries, 11 yes. seasons. It's a scorcher, you say? It's a scorcher. It was a very exciting um, ending last season. Uh, Murdoch's in jail, and they're all, everyone's missing. So Tamsin Uthwaite from another interview on our, on yep, our I saw page. That. I posted that on LinkedIn, too. Great. She comes in. She's the new boss. Now, back at the turn of the, cent- of the last century, that was uh, verboten. Anyway, exciting stuff. Tamsin Uthwaite's awesome. Okay, Annie, thank you very much. Do you want to quickly tell the joke you made us laugh with? (gasps) Romy, your mother told me this. She said there were two peanuts walking across the common, and one was assaulted. But um, (laughs) bum. Bye, Anne. (laughs) But each time that I do, just the thought of you makes me stop before I begin. Because I've got you. Under my skin. Well, joining us now is our lifestyle expert, Lena Almeida, who always shares what she is loving right now. I am loving Angelo's selection of music. I love it too. For this. Because <laughs> this week we are talking Aveeno skincare. Yes. I always think oatmeal when I. You should think oatmeal because they they patented the the anti-itch formula with their, of course, oatmeal-enriched formulas. Okay. But we're talking about anti-aging today. Anti-itch, anti-aging, both good to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love it. So now that we're getting back into fall and we're getting back to routines, Mm -hmm. it's no secret women tend to do everything for everyone else and we ignore some stuff and sometimes that means ignoring, you know, a good skincare regimen. And admittedly, I've been pretty lax with mine. I'm kind of like a spot moisturizer and a spot cleanser. I know. But I have been better. And in fact, I'm here today to tell you about what I've been using lately, which is Aveeno Absolutely Ageless, the entire line. And I quite like it, realizing, of course, there's no one, you know, one product fits all. Everyone Mm -hmm. has different skin types, and we all have different things we're trying to achieve, whether it be calming sensitivities or, you know, anti-aging. But if you are looking to switch up your routine this fall, I really, really want to tell you about about the line because it's been working for me. And I hope it works for you, too. Yeah. So it's actually backed by scientific expertise and includes Active Naturals Blackberry Complex. And that combines blackberry leaf extract and dill to help improve appearance of lines, wrinkles, and other signs of aging. And skin treated with moisturizers containing blackberry leaf and dill extracts have actually been shown to improve elasticity. And we've talked about that a few times. Not two products I would want to eat together, blackberry leaf and dill. (laughs) But if I'm using them on my skin, yeah, the extracts, that sounds interesting. Of course, especially when it's scientifically backed. So I'm going to deep dive into some of my go-to products shortly, but I want you to ask yourself the following questions this fall. So number one, is my current skincare routine currently working for me? I think we all fall in a rut sometimes. We tend to buy the same products over and over, but if we step back and say, hey, are, am I achieving the results that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going for? It may be time to, you know, look back and see if it's time for a switch up. Okay. The second question to ask yourself is, how quickly do I see results? So whether or not you stick to a routine depends greatly on how fast acting a product is. And another reason I recommend the Aveeno Absolutely Ageless, ageless line is because the regimen brings fast results. Did it? Did yeah. it what, what did you see? What was so the difference? within two weeks... 
definitely the tone and texture of my skin was so much better. But I also have a lot of fine lines around my eyes and just around my forehead. Those are smile lines, laugh lines. But they're much improved. So now I can <laughs> smile without having to worry about them. Oh, okay. So yeah, so I really liked the fast acting results. And then the third question to ask yourself is, who do you trust to make recommendations for skincare? Mm -hmm. So who do you trust, Kate? Uh, well, uh, a dermatologist. Yes. Um, the women at Clarity Med Spa, because mm -hmm. they, you know, work on my face with, you know, other non-invasive procedures. And I guess... Um, Your face is great. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, and I, well, there you go. I, I mean, if somebody, a lot of people do compliment me on, on my skin and I do the same to other women. I say, what do you use? So 100%. I, I ask, okay. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I trust my dermatologist and I trust women with great skin. And don't be afraid to ask them what they mm -hmm. use or for a recommendation. Do you know who recommends Aveeno Absolutely Ageless? Jennifer Aniston. Okay, so yeah. that's not bad. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Because if there's any hope that I can have skin like hers, I'm sold. Okay. So I'll quickly go through the products just so you can keep an eye out next time you're at a drugstore or shopping online for your beauty needs. Um, the products retail between $20 and $25 depending on the retailer. But the first is the Aveeno Absolutely Ageless Moisturizing Cleanser. So this is a super moisturizing cleanser and it removes 99% of skin aging impurities like dirt oil, and makeup. Okay. I quite like the cleanser because it doesn't strip your skin of its natural oils and feels great. Then, of course, on a daily basis, you'll follow up with the Aveeno Absolutely Ageless Daily Moisturizer SPF 30. We mm -hmm. know that SPF is a proven anti-ager. Mm -hmm. And the uh, moisturizer contains broad-spectrum SPF 30 sunscreen. Then we have Aveeno Absolutely Ageless Eye Cream which is essential for the under eye area. And that's what you said helped with your, I guess I call them crow's feet. I no, call I them laugh like lines. Them, yeah, They're exactly. Laugh lines. I like that. I don't like okay. crow's feet either. I do no. like laugh lines. Yes, they did help with my laugh lines. And Thank what about, you. Um, under eye circles? I have those. I have those majorly. Okay. And I'm about a month in now, and I have seen a slight reduction in under eye circles, but I also have darker pigmented skin, so okay. it, it's a little bit harder to tell. There's also an intensive renewal serum, which is going to help strengthen the natural moisture barrier of the skin. And then, of course, the Aveeno Absolutely Ageist Restorative Night Cream, which helps you wake up to healthier looking skin. Okay, so, and uh, you can find out more information at avino.ca, but Lena, you have come bearing gifts I for do. our listeners and yes. viewers. So from, the friend, from our friends at Avino, we actually have a gift basket featuring all of the items I just chatted about. Wow. Yeah. That's a bonus. So not only am I recommending the skincare line, I'm letting someone try it out for free. That's excellent. So um, that will be posted on our page, our contest page at what she said talk.com and one subscriber will win this gift basket so go sign up for the newsletter if you haven't already thank you very much lena thanks for having me and thanks to avino this is what she said we'll be right back do you remember when you first fell in love with reading well you weren't really reading were you no, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it, to a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. 
Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy to use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30 day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Boomer Nutrition Energy Protein Powder is the first protein supplement specifically designed for people over 40. Their research-based formula helps your body combat aging by maintaining lean muscle and slowing age-related muscle loss with added B vitamins for energy and leucine. Boomer Nutrition Protein Powder helps you increase metabolism and support a healthy lifestyle. Use code WSSRADIO at Amazon.ca to save 25%. Visit MyBoomerNutrition.com for details. Be ageless. Live your life with Boomer Nutrition. Feeding the family got you frantic? As feeding two teenage boys, I mean, at the end of the week, that's all I really want to do is save some money on my groceries. Is your fridge ever actually full? Oh, my, no. <laughs> I think I'm the only person that comes to a radio interview with a cooler. Not only was it so much fun, but it was super easy. And even my kids, when we cut into it last night, they even looked at it and they were like, Mom, you made this? I think you can do this in your sleep. Wholesome, on-budget fixes from foodie Charmaine Broughton on What She Said Talk. You're listening to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Women positive news you can use on Jewel Radio. You and I turn it Welcome back. Tonight we are joined by Canadian jazz vocalist Eileen Joyce, who is giving back through the inaugural IPF Freedom Gala, benefiting the Pulmonary Fibrosis Freedom Society. That's going to be on October 20th. Eileen, welcome to What She Said. Hi, thank you. So happy to be here. Now the story starts with your diagnosis of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. That was back in 2008. Tell us about what you found out. Uh, late in 2008, I got very ill and uh, luckily got into a research study um, very early on after that diagnosis. Um, in idiopathic basically means they didn't know what caused mine because I was very young and um, they had no idea what could have caused it. Uh, pulmonary fibrosis is a, uh, you know, not a common disease. Well, tell us a little bit more about it because so, lots of people don't know. Idiopathic fibro uh, pulmonary fibrosis generally is a scarring of tissue inside the lung, okay. which makes the lung very heavy and difficult to open. Okay. Um, so your lungs are supposed to open and close freely like a butterfly. If you want to think about a butterfly wings, how quickly and easily they open mm -hmm. and, and they're so light. That's what your lung is supposed to be like. And with these fibrosis, they make the lung tissue very heavy and um, unable to open, and therefore, eventually, you're unable to breathe. So, now, idiopathic w was yours, so they that had no idea. The they, di they didn't have any idea what caused it. I felt that it was caused by mold that we had found in our house just years before and had, had taken care of by then. Um, and my sister also died of it, and she had lived in the basement where we found the mold, uh, just just after she left, we found the mold. 
So, uh, is it a hereditary disease? Can there, it, can they have hereditary? They, they have been um, researching that part of it, and part of the monies from this particular gala will go to uh, the the research of this disease, um, because it's sort of a a question: Is it partially hereditary? Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it seems like it may just be a, a family is has weak lungs. My father died of uh, lung cancer and my brother died of lung cancer. Um, But my sister died of this, which, uh, uh, of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. So when, how old were you when you got the diagnosis? I was 49. So what did the doctors say as part of the diagnosis? Um, They said at the time that I had three years, probably, uh, maybe five. And... uh, Wow, that must have been... Yeah. I had a young child, so it was quite a, quite a diagnosis. But we plugged through that, and we said, nope, that's not going to happen. And I sang through it and did lots and lots of gigs and sang my heart out every day. And we did a, an album, which was uh, called Life is Too Short. And, uh, and nine, years, nine years later, you're still here. Nine years later, <laughs> still so here. So much for that three years. Yes. Well, I did have a lung transplant June uh, 16. I had oh, a uh, 2016. I had a one uh, single lung transplant Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm still on oxygen since that lung transplant and never really quite uh, they feel the lung took properly but my other lung was quite tenacious and is trying to fight for itself and instead of quietly going by the wayside so it's creating some trouble so but the doctors when they said they gave you three three to five years you then became part of this study well, I had become part of this. Yes, as soon as that uh, diagnosis was given, I became part of the study, and later found out that it was OFEV, which is uh, now on the market for uh, pulmonary fibrosis to help keep it a little bit uh, calmer to to keep the fibrosis from uh, coming. But uh, there are times when. With this disease, it can go very quickly or it can go very slowly, and you never know when that's going to come. It could be that you uh, have uh, an exasperation. I never say the word quite mm-hmm. right. Uh, exacerbation. Exacerbation. And um, I'll someday learn to say that word. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a practice for me. Yeah. So that, that particular... Uh, point can be being in touch with something that causes the lung to do that. And um, we don't know if it's a a bus passing by and exhausting fumes, or you know that you've been suddenly um, in a room with a whole bunch of kerosene candles, which has happened to me, that can put that lung into those lungs into jeopardy and make that go a little faster and a little faster. So there's all kinds of different things. There can be fungus in play that can make it go faster or slower. Um, I've been consider myself extremely lucky and blessed to have had the time I have had with my family and my friends and, and my band and... Well, you said you, that you sang more than ever because the music took I your just, worries I away. I was just so scared that I wouldn't be able to do anything that I just pushed for every gig. I We do Ladies in Blue at Home, which I run. We did four or five gigs in a year instead of two. We, you know, we just said, okay, we're doing everything we can until I, I have to stop. And there were some weeks before some of those gigs, I thought, okay, I'm not going to be able to sing girls when you guys are going to have to take my songs. And then I would be able to sing and everything would be fine. Um, 
And you did a CD in 2012 called yes. Life is Too Short. Yeah. And was this, was it written? Were some of the songs written and about? Well, the, the songs were, were written. Like one of the, one of the things and the most fun times in my life I have is when I'm on stage with me and my band, which uh, one of the songs I wrote at the time was the instigator of the album, uh, Just Me and the Boys. And that song, uh, <laughs> it's funny because I said to my husband when he was half asleep, I said, I think we should do another CD now. He said, Joe, okay. So I called the producer the next morning. <laughs> so, okay, make a date quick. <laughs> Before he wakes up. Before he wakes up. So, um, you know, we, we kind of did that uh, again, you know, hoping that I wouldn't get too sick to finish the album. Um, some of the songs are, uh, you know, songs that I had written about old marriages, old uh, relationships or you know all those kinds of things um one of them was called world vision for the world um to be together um one of them is with nova scotia mass choir whom i love and have sang with for 20 years except for the few years i've been here uh okay doing this so then you 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 formed the pulmonary fibrosis freedom society and you are having the initial IPF Freedom Gala, which will benefit uh, the society. It's Friday, October 20th, and people can find tickets at pf-freedom.org. We will put up the link um, for everything. Uh, how? Yeah, tell us about the gala. Who's so the gala is going to be absolutely amazing with Jackie Richardson, uh, Billy Newton-Davis, um, Leela Coles, the Toronto All-Star Big Band, uh, myself, my husband. Um, he's awake? <laughs> he's awake. <laughs> I'm happy that he did that album. Um, and um, who else am I missing? Adrian Lucas, Patty, and just... The list you know, goes whole, on. And, and the choir from, that I have made from uh, lung patients, or the singers called the um, Malatone Singers are Malatone going to be singers, singers, and they are lung patients, and we've been working very hard for this gala to sing at. So, and where do you, how much are you hoping to raise? Uh, well, as much as possible, but, you know, 10000 20000 would be great to raise for this uh, uh, great cause. We're going to be giving the money to the research and to the uh, rehab clinic at the Toronto Western who help patients with uh, lung issues. Okay. Um, and how's the research looking? Research is going well, some of which uh, Dr. Shane Shapiro is going to be our guest speaker, who is mm -hmm. the head of uh, the uh, you know IPF research, I think, in, in Toronto General. And he's... Uh, just uh, an amazing speaker, very fun. And, but he tells the information in such a way that everyone will realize what's going on. We also need to, uh, to tell everybody, you know, that if you have a really bad cough that continues for months or you're getting constant bronchitis and stuff, you know, maybe talk to your doctor and get him to send you for a scan so that you could possibly get this diagnosis early because that is really what helps. Well, thank you, Eileen, for very much for sharing your story and for coming in and telling us about it. Again, you can find tickets at pf-freedom.org. And that is for the IPF Freedom Gala on Friday, October 20th. Um, thank you. Good luck with everything. Thank you for having me.
This is what she said. Stay with us. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Join us October 22nd at Bellevue Manor in Vaughan for a morning of fun, learning, and great camaraderie. Learn how to stay sharp as you age with guest speakers Dr. Vivian Brown, Dr. Nazarene Katri, and MC Camilla Scott. A wonderful morning of breakfast, entertainment, special treats, and all proceeds go to Mackenzie Health Foundation to support the Domestic Assault and Sexual Abuse Center. Go to thejoyofaging.ca for more info and see you on October 22nd. And now, more women positive news you can use. This is What She Said. What She Said said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. What you are listening to is The Middle by Toronto indie soul artist Afros. Welcome to What She Said. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, first off, tell us the meaning behind the name Afros. So Afros is actually my mother's birth name. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Um, my grandmother converted to Christianity later in her life. And when she did that, she changed all of her children's names to English names. Um, But my mother was born Afros. So I chose to reclaim it as an artist. Oh, that's very nice. I hope she's touched. She is. She loves it. She gets a thrill. (laughs) Now, how would you describe your sound? It's a little bit of 60s soul um, Ala, like Aretha Franklin, she's my hero, and uh, 90s R&B. Now, you also perform a lot as a front person for the St. Royals. Uh, you work as a session and backup singer and even coach vocals and songwriting and singer's edge. So obviously music is your passion. Yes. What are your goals as an artist? Well, because I've been singing and doing the cover band thing for a while, my goal as an artist is to get this sound out to as many people and let people know that I'm also a writer as well. So you have a show coming up October 12th, opening up for funk band Yuka. That's at 3030 Dundas Street West. So what's your website so people can find your music? It's uh, www.afros.com. That's A-P-H-R-O-S-E. That's right. All right. That's amazing. So when did you start? I started singing when I was very, very little, six. I was six. Six? Yes. <laughs> did you have that voice at six? I don't think so. I like <laughs> to think I did, but uh, no. <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear it. And we are, you have brought in uh, your producer and guitarist, Scott McCannell. Hi, Scott. How's it going? (laughs) Um, But before we we listen to you, we want to tell everyone that that is our show for tonight. You can find us at whatshesaidtalk.com. We will be back tomorrow uh, at 10. But right now, we're very excited to have Afros Performing Fire. (laughs) 
Somebody else's words will never be mine. And if I can't tell you, I might as well be living a lie. This ain't life. This is not our life. Now, what I pictured when I closed my eyes and I thought of you, and I. Want a love that's fine The kind that will never die It's the only way to keep us alive Oh I still haven't learned to shake the weight off me. Oh, and I hate that I care so much, so much that it kills me. It's not a crime to lay it on the line. Downright honest and done with all the lies that we hang on to. And I My love for you seems like we hit a wall, but I see the light coming through. Cause I want a love that's fine. The the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Come on a journey like no other where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, 
all in less than 15 minutes, you have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.